Hey, Warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Sync. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again for a new episode. We have another fantastic guest for you all who has just a fascinating story and is an incredible human being. Before we get to that, I wanted to give a few shout outs. (laughs) It means so much to Sarah and I to hear from you, our listeners, whether you are friends, acquaintances, or people we have never met. We've gotten lots of... um, feedback over the past week or so, especially. And some of my friends have specifically said to me some things about the podcast and they're, they are avid listeners and they listen to every single one. And I have to tell you, that makes me feel great um, because we don't know who's listening. And mm-hmm. so to know that people who know me in real life um, find it interesting enough to listen to it, I think is just a really amazing thing. And so I just wanted to give you a little shout out. Thank you for the encouragement this past week. It has meant the world to me and I have passed that on to Sarah. So thank you, Ellison, Susan, Hillary, Eve, and Christy for being such um, dedicated listeners and sharing with us your thoughts about the podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It just makes me feel so good. And um to know that we're helping people yes. and that, that what we're saying is not just going out into like this black void of nothing. And it's resonating with people yes. and we're not like out in la la land with these topics that we thought people might be interested in, but they mm-hmm. aren't. Yeah. So keep it coming. Let us know. Even you don't have to be like actual in real life friends. Um, if you just want to shoot us an email or a DM over Insta. Because we are down for meeting new people. Did you hear? I said DM over Insta. Like I'm... Like she's somebody. <laughs> like I'm somebody. Like I know how to use Instagram. <laughs> really? We just we just pretending. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I literally pulled a, an Enya tape out of a radio today, so I don't. I'm not down with the cool stuff. <laughs> I mean, it might also be time to explain about my Instagram live that we oh, did today. Oh yes, our technology <laughs> I mean, skills listen, are. It's really not terrible. It's just that what I did today is something like grandma does. <laughs> So I'm a hundred so guys. Funny. Hashtag I'm a hundred. <laughs> so I got this brand new fancy ass phone and I was going to do a live. Well, I did a live. It's published. You it's can go published. Watch it. You can watch it. We just happened to have a fifth member of the team. Fifth. One, two, three, four. Cause Randy and Mike were in this. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Amy, Sarah, Randy, Mike, and my finger. <laughs> 
Amy's finger. So <laughs> apparently, <laughs> lifting my We're finger. Gonna, Mike said he's gonna Photoshop <laughs> headphones onto the finger so that <laughs> Amy's finger is part of our. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Our crew. And I really wanted to take it down. No, but, you're not you know, allowed. I'm not allowed. They're saying no. You can't take it down. It's such an old lady thing to do. It's it, amazing. It is such an old. <laughs> like you know when there wasn't, it would be like you would get the, the film back from like I don't know the grocery store yes. or farm or yeah. wherever you were getting it. One from. hour photo. Yes, I wasn't that fancy. I had to do the grocery store. So you know. Roger. But anyways, um, you would get it back and you would look and you'd be like, damn it, mom, your fingers in all of them. Like, <laughs> I'm that mom. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, just, so funny. I mean, I'm still like 20 in my head. How is this happening? God damn it. Cause I hate to break it to you, but you ain't 20. 20 plus 22. <laughs> plus 22. <laughs> Yeah, guys. So enjoy that live. If anything, just to see. I yeah, it's like a minute long, and Amy's <laughs> finger is in it for like. So then you also forty five seconds. You also get to see our brand new studio that um, Sarah worked so hard on. We got a couple new things, and we you know repurposed a few things, and now it seems professional. Oh my to gosh, me. it's so pretty. It's such a space that I want to be in. We cannot wait to work here all summer long and produce amazing content for everyone. Yeah. So it's an awesome space. So check it out. You get the insider look. Yeah. So when you watch that live, you get to see the new studio and Amy's, Amy's finger. finger. <laughs> At least my nails were did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. wow. So we said, we said our thank yous. I'm going to say my thank yous just because mm-hmm. I have two very good friends of mine that listen to every episode and it makes my heart happy. And that is my friend Angie and my other friend Nicole. And I love you girls so much. Thank you so much for supporting a friend. It means the world. Like seriously. I think Angie friended me on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, you guys would love I each other. I think we would be mm-hmm. instant friends. You would. For sure. Shout out Angie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into the crazy circle. (laughs) Oh my God. She's been there. (laughs) We were really good friends in college. I mean, come on. (laughs) She has to be a little, a little bit, bit. right? Yeah. Um, So from last week too, I uh, put up a reel. Guys, I figured out how to do Um, Instagram reels. She's been like popping on the weekday reels. I'm so jealous that I can't do them. Now I'm a monster. I've created my own monster. I think she has this filter too that's like bomb diggity. I, I need do. to know what it is. It's lush. Oh, lush. Lush. <laughs> so when <laughs> you <Sorry. laughs> got carried away. I know. <laughs> ASMR. Too much pleasure talk. Yes. Yes. Speaking of, so these reels that I figured out. But yeah, when you go onto the reels, you can like. What, She's you know, sliding her finger. Slide over to the faces, the different faces. Yeah. And then there's one that gives you different options too. And you scroll that over and that's where it is. Yeah. And it just. And we like reels because we get over a thousand plays. We don't know if anybody's actually watching it. They could just be like, scroll, scroll, scroll. (laughs) But we're like, ah, a thousand people. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. So check out those reels. But on one of them, they are posted on our um, Instagram feed as well. One of them, I talked about something that Lauren Joyce, our guest from last week. So please go back and listen to that if you haven't already. 
the sound quality we are going to apologize for. We There's really no explanation there's, right now. There's Just no explanation keep... except that we've got it figured out. But the content, <laughs> the content is, is so good it. that it's worth. I forgot, honestly, and I'm such a stickler for sound. I completely forgot after the first like two minutes because I was like, this is such a good episode. Yeah. Just so much to say. Mm -hmm. So what on, on this reel, what I posted was um, hashtag save pussy, pass it on because we are. And it's using... going to be one of those, if you know, you know, so you got to go back and listen to kind of get why we're yes. saying that. <laughs> yes. So if you've heard that episode and you're hearing me right now. We are encouraging you to take a picture of yourself where you feel like a badass, where you feel empowered, where you feel it doesn't strong. have to be like a sex doesn't have to be sexy at all. No. no, that's not what we're talking about. No, it could be if you know, like you're getting your COVID vaccine yeah. or like, you know, something like that, like something that makes you feel drinking your coffee. Yes. yes. Or it can be sexy. You do you. Yes. But we want you to put the hashtag say pussy, pass it on. And you'll know why if you've listened to that episode. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> so worth it. We have new mics in our face and we love them. Yes. The mic stand. So that's why we, we like keep making noises. Somebody. Earlier we were singing the song. Gummy, Gummy bears. bears. <laughs> if you are our age and know that song, we appreciate it. Cause Bouncing you God. Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're the best. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. We're going to stop our rambling. Woo. <laughs> So stay tuned because up next we have the most amazing human that we've ever talked to, Katie Maloney. So we have a very special guest with us this evening and we are super stoked for you guys to get to meet Miss Katie Maloney. She is a life coach and author and has written an amazing book called Cake Pops and Coffee, which is the cutest name ever. Yes, it is. <laughs> I love it so much. Love it. Love it. So, so cute. So catchy. Yes. And um, we were really excited to talk with you because your description of the book says that you um, were looking for some lighter material to discuss trauma because everything was just so heavy of a topic. And so when you didn't find it, you wrote it yourself, which I think is the freaking most amazing thing ever. <laughs> just do it yourself. If you can't find it, then I'll just do it myself. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Yes. Yeah. So how, uh, thank you and welcome, thank Katie. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah, we are so happy to have you, and I, I'm sure it's it's difficult because you have to do it over and over again, but um, for our listeners, if you could just kind of start at the beginning, maybe tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, and how you came to be someone who um, is a speaker and an author. Yeah, so I, yeah, let's dive in. Um, let's do it. <laughs> let's go right for it. Let's get it. Um, I was sexually abused by both my parents until I was about 18. Um, and then at that time I moved to another city. I got a scholarship to college and, um, I started, it was the first time that I was ever away from the abuse. And so during that time was when everything kind of started coming up and I was able to process things. I recognized, I started recognizing triggers, um, and I knew that I needed to start kind of digging through and working through a lot of things. Yeah. And so that's when I started looking to books for guidance. Um, and all I could find were those super heavily titled self-help books or psychology books. And all of them just, I felt completely overwhelmed before I even opened them. And so that was when I was like, God, I just wish 
that I could talk with someone who felt like I was having a conversation with my best friend. We were drinking some coffee, eating some cake pops, and just sharing stories. And that was when, (laughs) as you said, that was when I started writing my book. Wow. Well, that, I, I feel as though I read something, I think, on your blog talking about um, how there is this weird juxtaposition or dichotomy of, like, all this bad shit, but there was, like, good stuff, too, oh, in your life. Yes. And how challenging that is for people who haven't lived that world to understand. Mm. And I just related to that so well. And I appreciated you saying that because I um, am doing my own writing of a book right now on something very similar, not similar, but like it's similar in trauma, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so much good. And so even you were able to, you know, just trying to understand like that you could have both, that both were able to coexist without guilt. Yeah. Because it's almost like you feel guilty for feeling happy. Let me just try to clarify. So you're saying in your childhood, there were these like bright moments. Yes. Um, so, well, so I remember the reason I wrote that blog was because I, people started asking, asking me about my childhood, um, and about like positive memories or even friends would be like, do you remember this? And I was like, I don't remember anything. Like I have very few memories of my childhood. And I realized it was because when I separated from my family, I call them like my previous family, I don't consider them family, but when I distanced myself from them, I needed to shut down all emotions so that I could move forward. And I needed to categorize bad and good because those lines had been so blurred for so many years. And so it was like, almost like I was starting at preschool and I was like, this is bad. This is good. Um, And it wasn't until about 10 years later where I had processed so much more that I was able to say, well, actually... I had some good moments. Like I did fun things with my sister. I had a couple friends that I had did fun things with in childhood. And so it was really healing for me to be able to go back and say, I did have positive moments in my childhood. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. invalidate any of the negative experiences that I have. Right. But it also allowed me to just experience, honestly experience life so much more fully because I'm not closing myself off to labeling good or bad. I'm able to kind of recognize that everything can kind of be both sometimes. Um, and so that was just a really important step in my healing journey. So powerful. It is very powerful. And I just have to ask, was it something that you didn't know was wrong until you realized that it wasn't happening to your other friends or kind of what was that what was that moment great question so there was I feel like I I know I know for a fact that I always knew because you just even as a kid and that was and I even as a kid when I was being told like this is normal this is what parents do this is what loving families do it's like there's something in you as a kid in your gut that's like but it doesn't feel okay. This doesn't yeah, feel right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I know that I always knew, but, and it's interesting because what I recognized first, it wasn't that like, oh, these kids aren't being abused, but it was like, oh, this dad like talks to his daughter. I was like, that's so weird. I just saw them having like a normal conversation. I was like, that's weird. I don't, didn't know parents do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, and it's crazy, but that's, that was the first of it. And then I just remember 
it took me so long to even, I would, I started in my head being like, I think maybe, I don't want to say anything, but I think maybe I might be like, mom and dad might be doing bad things to me. But like, mm. that was all I would leave it. And for years I said that. And then I had the courage like a couple years later to write it down and be like, I think maybe this is happening. And then after years of that, I was able to say in my head, I think I'm being abused. And then I could write mm-hmm. it. And it's, it's, I was 18 by the time that I was like, I have been abused and I know it. Right. But it was a process. It took a really long time. So it was your entire childhood? It was. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to pause really quickly here because we can take things out. If this is like, I, I, I don't know what topics you're okay with talking about or how you're not. If this is too much or mm-hmm. if it's like I'm going... I just, I know my curiosity mostly because of the things I've read and then probably how our listeners are going to feel, but I don't want to ask or talk about anything that you don't want to talk about. Right. Oh no, I am so open. I talk, I spent an entire chapter in my book talking about masturbation and learning okay. to masturbate after sex. So like, I I'm did, so I did open. see that and I was yeah. like, I cannot wait to talk about masturbating <laughs> or wait, what did, um, Lauren call it? She called it self-pleasure. Self-pleasure. She, she was said, like, masturbating I don't like the is like such a boy's word, but anyways, yeah. either way. Yes. I do want to get to that. Um, but I was, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about like that, that has been going on that whole time. And then how, you know, at what age did it start? Mm. Um, so I don't remember exactly when it started, but I, I mean, I, I've read so many things about before you're even really, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Right. With memory language. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, I mean, when you're a baby before when you're yeah. the most formative years, um, that's when it's most, you can be most affected. So I believe it started really very, very early on. And what, a, and you had a sister? Yes. Yeah. And she, was she also abused? Yes, she was. I have, um, a twin sister actually, but oh. again, but it is a different, that is probably the one thing that I don't share too much about just because right. we both have separate like ways sure. of processing it. Handling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I am just so curious because so I I had one instance of a sexual assault, not multiple, not during, you know, going on for like my entire childhood. Right. And I have struggles with with like completely enjoying sex and and allowing myself to feel pleasure and not not enjoying, but getting out of my head. Like, I'm just so in my head about it. And I just am curious, like, have you found that freedom and, and how? Oh, such a great question. I wish <laughs> she that loves I this question. I can see it on her face. I, I love it. it. I cannot wait to hear the answer. I just think that there's so much to talk about as far as intimacy, pleasure, self-pleasure, like all of those things in regards to um, post-trauma um, and so I, I do really love this topic because it was also one of the, mo- the things that I struggled with the most and I put so much work into healing so I wish that I could say yes absolutely I have no problem having sex all the time like anytime I want but that's not that's, <laughs> yeah it's it's not um there's I still get in my head and I still find myself um doing one of two things well there was one there were two things that I would love to talk about that I really experienced and that was the first was because I want to I, I talk about this in my book pretty extensively um 
And I know that it's kind of a heavy topic, but it's really important for me to talk about because I've had people Absolutely. who have read it and they've messaged me and been like, I thought I was the only one. And this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else has. So one of the things I talk about is um, having to imagine something, for lack of a better word, like fucked up or not yeah, yeah. in order to orgasm. Because yeah, as yeah. a kid, I was trained to, mm. not trained, but I mean, I was forced to orgasm. And in that moment, I dissociated and I just imagined right. other terrible things because in that right. way, it was easier in a sense than imagining a parent, like knowing a parent was doing mm. it. And so yeah. after years of that, as an adult, when I'm away from abuse with a partner who loves me, who I love, right. I found myself only being able to orgasm with him if I imagined these, like, these scenarios. Right, right. And I hated it. And it felt terrible yeah. and I didn't want to do it. And I tried so many different things. I like talked to my partner about it um, and got like him involved and he'd be like, stay with me, let's be present. And that was beautiful, but that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until, yeah. and this was, this was years, but it, what it really wasn't until um, I started working on self-pleasure um, and that was when yeah, yeah. I like really dedicated some time to like pelvic bowl meditations and just healing the space, like my room space and the energy there. Ooh, that was, I don't know what that is. Ooh, I would love to talk. You're going to have to tell us about <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of pelvic, uh, pelvic bowl healing um, methods. So what I'm talking about, there are actual like physical healing methods, but what I'm talking about is just, energy and using meditations and so yeah um, when I refer to the pelvic bowl it's actually like I'm talking about the energy but it is anatomically correct so it's basically um at the top of your hip bones down around your backside and then up and so just encompassing all of the um man I'm like gesturing but nobody can see me but encompassing yeah yes um and that is the space that kind of, in theory, holds your core energy. It holds your femininity. Mm -hmm. And when you experience abuse, a lot of us without even realizing, because we've never even heard about the public pool, but we shut off the energy completely. And so when we are older, we'll find ourselves really struggling to receive or to experience pleasure or to allow ourselves to be creative um, and it's because we've really disconnected from that energy. And one of the things that you can do is kind of, oh, I, I offer guided meditation, and I talk about this in my book as well, is just imagine going into your bowl, and you start just by soothing all of the, the mm -hmm. space around your bowl. Mm -hmm. And the first time I ever entered my pelvic bowl, I was like, oh my God, there's like wounds, there's kind of like caves, mm -hmm. caves yeah. and it's like boarded up. Yeah. Um, and that's just what you imagine, what your pelvic bowl will look like, whatever you imagine mm -hmm, it to be. Right. Um, but then you just spend time healing it, and you continue to visit it, and you just reconnect mm -hmm. with that energy. And it's so empowering because you realize that your whole, your like your womb space, your femininity, it's actually very safe, and it's guarded, and you're finally like yeah. living in it again. Yeah. Wow. I That's mean, just like in all of the things I've ever read or known, I've never heard of that. I that haven't is either. Amazing. That is so amazing. And you know what it ties to is 
the the chakra the sacral chakra so, it made me think of that yeah the root chakra even is in that yeah, yeah. so and that's your safety and security mm-hmm. chakra and then your passion and creativity, creativity is yeah. your sacral so holy cow and the wow cool what thing, healing the cool thing about that is that um so that's like the first part and then the second step so it's almost like following those chakras because you're starting in your sacral chakra then you go and you meet your uh, and i talk about this in my book but you meet your yoni guardian um yeah. and that is what protects the energy from like yeah. whatever energy you want in and out it's there you're you're in control of that and then finally you can connect that energy to the earth so it's like your root chakra you're grounded you have protection so yeah. all three of those steps can be really healing and um just kind of shift your perspective of your pleasure because one of the things that I struggled with was I I always imagined my um my vulva my vagina is something that I needed to fiercely protect I was like you have protect her yes protect her but actually yeah, it was like Chelsea, yeah. she's good just let her have some fun yeah let her experience pleasure yeah so yes. these things help with that wow so. I'm definitely gonna have to read through that and do that section of your book for real. Yeah. Cause it's, it's such a, wow. So it, when you were with your partner, is that when you started to think like, okay, I got to figure something else out because this is just not working for me. Yes. It was actually, it was funny because with my first partner, that was when I started writing my, the whole book and there's very small there's the whole book is not about my first partner ever at all but um <laughs> it but is what inspired it because I remember I had spent some time already on my own healing journey but it is a completely different thing when you invite someone else mm-hmm. onto oh, that yeah, journey for and there's sure. so many yeah. other things that open up and I was like mm-hmm. oh my okay, all right, let's figure this out. Um, so that's when I started to write about stuff. Because again, those books, all the books that were available, no one was saying, hey, so you just started dating somebody and you're uncomfortable just holding his hand. Let's walk through yeah. it. How do we do this? Right. Nobody was saying that. And I was like, okay, I need to talk about stuff like this. Yes, it's that so, kind of that kind of intimacy even that can be tough after trauma. Right. I'm going to go back just this for a minute. I'm going to assume then that you didn't have boyfriends or anything in high school? I, you know what? I did not. I went on a couple, like a date or two while I was in high yeah. school. And I had guy friends. But And then in college, I went on a bunch of dates, but I was way too scared to be in a relationship. So it wasn't right. until I was 21 that I was like, I'm trying this. We're going to do it. And Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I can't even imagine having a relationship, trying to have a yeah. relationship and outside of like that. It seems like probably your parents would have not approved of that either because that messes with their whole yeah, I, thing. Yeah. Well, I know my sister dated a lot. It was more so like they didn't care. <laughs> it was, and, and actually, um, my, like, like I call them Tim and Lisa, but Lisa kicked out Tim when I was 16. So that stopped, the abuse stopped with my dad when I was about 16, but then it was continued with Lisa. Like, and I'm sorry, we're like pausing and stuff. It's just <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Like, sorry. 
I also think like because being a mom mm -hmm. um, or moms, it's really hard to wrap my mind around. It's really without yeah. getting incredibly angry. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, that was just. Um, I yeah. I so, love the fierce mama energy. I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, in my brain, I'm thinking of what I would do to someone. Yeah. <laughs> if they did that, that ever did that to my children. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. And they are your biological parents. Yes. Yes. Wow. So <laughs> I, I, I just want to know when, when you have something that heavy, what gave you the like courage to look for some lighter like discussion around it? I honestly it was more survival. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because humor has always been Yes, that's that us. just yep. the way I got through things. Yes. And so when it came time to write a book, I was like, let's just come God, let's just give ourselves a fucking break for a little while. Yes. Yeah. Um and I just think that it's essential. And it goes back to that everything is kind of a mix of good and bad. Um, yeah. Same thing with conversations around trauma. And right now we have so many more resource, like conversations happening and platforms mm -hmm. that encourage conversations. I'm so yeah. happy about that. But at the same time, the conversations need to evolve. Like we need to evolve because yes. all of them are heavy. All of them are focused on yes. sharing your story based only. And we need, we need more conversations. And so that's, really what we, we try to make sure that we tell people because we don't want them to think that we're making light of our lives yeah. because we've had yeah. our own tragedies and traumas that people just like just like we pause when we hear your story they pause when they hear our story and immediately we like make a joke but mm -hmm. it's just because it's our coping mechanism it's our coping one. mechanism one and two i'm not going to stop talking about it and i don't want people to be uncomfortable yeah and that's it, a way to kind of it's a way to kind of just be like you know what this is just part of the story mm -hmm. and we need to discuss right yeah and it just laughter feels so good and it's so yeah. healing yeah. so like please let's bring that form of healing yeah. into these conversations did you find yourself being able to have joy and laughter growing up you know what i think i actually think about that all the time and it is mind-blowing to me that i was such a happy kid like at home oh. miserable completely miserable but yeah. when I was at school and just out in the world I was such a good kid and I was just so vibrant and I know that made my parents angry and I kind of I look back on it and I'm like go little Katie because oh, I just oh yeah yes. to lose my little shine and it makes me so happy yeah that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. That makes me so happy yeah. knowing that you were able to find that for yourself. Holy man. So probably because of that, no one, none of your teachers were able to pick up on that or recognize yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, I have oh. teachers now that are reaching out. They're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, there's mm. the only indication was that I signed up for everything so I could stay in, at school yes. until 9 yeah. p.m. But yeah. right. beyond that, there was no, they wouldn't have known. And to be honest, I couldn't verbalize it at that time. So even if somebody had sure. said, I think your parents are abusing you. I don't even, I mean, I think maybe I would have been like, yes, finally, thank you. Or I would have been right. like, that's way too scary to even think, but like, God, leave me alone. 
So I don't know. Right. Like, let's not say that word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It takes it to a whole new level mm-hmm. and you're just not willing to admit that. Right. And, and the other I thing mean, is that when you have, when it's your parents, it's a horrible situation. You feel terrible. But at the same time, these are the only people that are supposed to right. take care of you right now. Yeah, and sure. So, yeah. And everyone's like, your parents are all you have. And so mm. as like a little 12 year old, am I going to be like, um, this is happening. These my parents, I think, are doing yeah. something bad. But like, I don't know what's going to happen to me if I say anything. So, you know, it's right. just, it's way too scary. Did you have other relatives that you spent time with? I had um, a few, but again, I the memories are pretty foggy. Well, not even that, but um, a lot of times trauma like that is so generational, and they all experienced oh. it. Do you know what I mean? And so it was like yep. very downplayed and it was ignored and even now i get threats Mm -hmm. i get threatening emails frequently from previous family members because they're either in denial about it or they are very angry that it's come out wow how do two people like that find each other i was gonna ask that too Um, but i wasn't sure that's a great question and i actually thought about that and i've actually had some conversations with some therapists about it and they said um so we believe, and again, I, I don't know this, but we believe that Lisa was like borderline personality disorder and okay. and Tim was definitely a sociopath and or a narcissist sociopath. And she said that very frequently those two connect. Um, mm. And so it makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I can see narcissistic sociopath definitely taking that route. And borderline would just follow suit. Yes. Yeah. Borderline. But then when very he scary left, thing. Or, she yeah, still did it. She still did it. Because, yeah, both of those things um, can't be fixed with medicine. Mm-mm. That is, that was always my biggest fear was that my husband was going to be diagnosed with one of those. Because mm-hmm. I was like, that is an, there's no coming back from that. That's right. just what you are. Um, so those, those are some of the scariest, I think, diagnoses mm-hmm. out there. Diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Diagnoses. It's so confusing too, just because I, I mean, again, I try to like unpack memories that I have and I just specifically with Lisa, I've been more intrigued by because I kind of wrote my dad off a long time ago. It was just like, oh, he's a pretty evil person like okay we're done um but i think there is a natural more of a, a, an attachment to a mother um for kids sure. and so it was mm-hmm. more difficult but it was so interesting because all because all the memories that i have were either like were almost like a little girl or like this mm. very angry pretty kind of evil person so it was just a really weird um back and forth between those two yeah i can only imagine did she, do you remember any mothering type moments? I do. Totally. Yeah. Um, there were moments. Um, yeah. And that made the whole thing way more. That's confusing. even, yeah, that's even more. It's like mm-hmm. whenever I want to explain trauma or things like this to people, I want to just, all the words I keep saying are complicated. It's complicated. Like I can't, it's not bad or good. Like it's just complicated. Yes. And I always like to say all of it is valid and okay like all of yes. the emotions because i think i know i myself 
when I think back and I'm like, I had moments where I fell down and Lisa like picked me up and held me and put a bandaid on my knee. And I'm just like, you can't think that because then none of the bad stuff is real and you're a liar and like all the stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, no, yeah. all of yep. it's okay. All of it they is okay. coexist for sure. Yeah. yeah. What did you use to cope besides signing up for everything and staying late at school? But like, what other things did you do to cope? Through while you were growing up? Oh, yeah. I remember being a little girl and just having been abused and having to, like, being forced to abuse my sister. And I remember just being, like, so, I just what felt I can't even describe the feeling it was a horrible feeling and I felt like a monster I was like six or seven and um I remember just laying in bed and like I knew that it wasn't over I knew it was gonna happen and I mean I didn't know that it was gonna happen for like another 11 years but yeah um I and this sounds maybe kind of cheesy but I and I talk about it in my book but I remember looking seeing the moon in the window and I just held my own hand and mm. I looked at the moon and I was like so there was just something in me that knew that it this wasn't it um and like and I truly believe that I've I've always been gifted with the ability to be like okay this is where I am right now but I'm not my circumstances so wow. like this exists right now but we're gonna be out of here at some point so it's yeah. gonna be okay so that was I'm so Holy grateful shit. I don't know where that came from but that's well because you needed it yeah that was like you know something that was given to you because you were gonna need it jeez I've I've that took me till I'm 39 years old and I'm just right (laughs) trying to say I am not my circumstances (laughs) like and I mean I think you really have to have that ability and I'm like again I'm 42 and I've just learned it um, because otherwise, uh, I mean, both Sarah and I have, have had like suicidal ideations and, and really like wanting to do that because you can't see past Mm-mm. the situation and that so the, moment, that, it's like that, that moment, moment is where you right live. there is like mm-hmm. so big. And you're like, there's no way, there's no fucking way this is ever going to go away or be done. Right. Yeah. So it's so Im- amazing to me that you were able to see that or feel that, um, and thank God. Yeah. Did you ever get into like any drugs or alcohol because to try to numb or anything or just I, like typical teenage yeah, shenanigans? I honestly did not. I went in the opposite direction and I was like, ter- I was terrified of anything. I mean, I hung out with, with kids that weren't great, whatever. And I, but I did not like it. And I, I really avoided anything that made me feel even a fraction of what I felt at home if that makes sense that I was makes like, sense. absolutely yep. not I'm surrounding yep. myself with so much light we will not let any darkness in mm. um and again I that that was like well into my 20s and I was finally like hey like all of my furniture like all my clothes had to be white and like airy and I was like we can stop this let's bring some like darkness <laughs> in a little bit it's okay there just needs to be a balance but that yeah I definitely went in the opposite direction as a kid that's amazing. You are such like, your story has me completely. My mind is blown. Um, that God, you're just such a like. I I know we're like on like a 
video call, but I can mm -hmm. feel your mm -hmm. energy. I can too. And you are so light and you are yeah. just so such a beautiful human being. And it's such a gift to the world that you've like been able to see that. Yeah. Um, I'm getting all teary. I know. Um, to see that there was going to be something bigger for you in, in life. And, um, God, could you imagine if there's like some kids out there who hear your story, who are like living it right now or mm -hmm. have lived it and are coming out of it? Because that's the sort of thing that people just, again, don't yeah, talk about. Don't talk about. That's why. And those are the things yeah. that have to be talked about. Um, I found the title. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was called A Child Called It, but it's probably... Oh my God, yes. I was going to say it's probably aging me. No, I read it. <laughs> I read it. Um, yeah, but I've read like that and all, there was a couple sequels, but it was some of the... Um, I, was, I don't know why, but I was obsessed with it because it was some of the most descriptive abuse mm -hmm. that I have ever heard of in my life. And... I just, and I read it again. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. fathom in my mind people doing this to other people. As you were talking, um, Katie, I was thinking like, dear God, I was like, <laughs> it's a wonder you're not one of those. We were huge true crime fans. Yeah. So um, I could, I could have been like a hundred percent in your court if you had like woke up in the middle of the yeah. night and just, and just like just, both yeah. of them. Right. Because I mean, Jesus, like, come on. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's just incredible to me, the grace you had. I don't know. But you can even speak their names, too. I'm guessing that's not their real names. There, there is not their real names. But I do, yeah. in yeah. real life, like, call them by their names. But just for these purposes, I sure, do. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Tim's actually, Wait, so he's a police officer. No. Um, get the fuck no, out of here. No. Get the no. I was thinking they were in jail or dead, okay? Yeah, no. No. So, yeah. So as a kid, they, we were told that there were like recording devices in the house. You could, or like videos, like you could not. And, and I believe, like, I believe that that's absolutely possible. Um, the phone, they, they were like, the phones were tapped. And I don't know if it was real or not, but I know that that's what we were told. So we like, you can't talk about it. Um, or else you'll be reason. I mean, and I do remember like writing little notes and like, in code because I thought that I was gonna get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my yeah. god! So you feared for your life? Oh yeah, uh, yes. Did, yes. did for, they threaten your life? Um. So there's one. I remember having a dream. There's like two parts of that answer. One, I believe that they absolutely did during the abuse. Um, yeah. But I have limited memories of like full memories of the abuse. But the second part of that answer is I, I remember having a dream um, where Tim, like, there was an axe in our garage in real life. And Tim, like, would, I had a dream that he brought it in and he killed all of us. And I remember the next morning being like, Mom, I, got, I had this scary dream about Dad, like, killing us with the axe. And I came home from school that same day and the axe was sitting in front of a door in our house. Like in the hallway. What the fuck? And I remember being like, Mom, why is this axe in here? She's like, It's always been here. What are you talking about? <gasps> so, like, <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot. So the way it wasn't. So you were very... also going through some gaslighting then, too. Oh, it was so and much major emotional abuse. They mind fucked you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> you know, it's. Wow. It's amazing what the human brain can do to be able to survive that 
and to find your light and to still live that outside of the home. Like, I, I'm Dissociation, just, I think, helped. Dissociation, yeah, I do a lot of that. <laughs> no, really, like, that, that I do get that. I've done yeah. that multiple times. I do it a lot, so, and um, I didn't even yeah. know what it was. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought I was actually losing my mind, and then I told yeah. my therapist, I was like, something's wrong with me. I think I'm, I'm losing it because there are times when I feel like I'm outside of my body and I'm not, like, attached to what's and happening. I can, and I'm watching what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, not a part of I'm it. I'm not a part of it. And yep. she's like, oh, no, that's just dissociation. Like, yeah. I get that. I was like, oh, well, thank God I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, when you disassociate, for me in my mm -hmm. situation, um, you're, you tend to be quiet. And yeah. that pisses them off so fucking bad that you're mm -hmm. not talking or responding or getting upset or crying or yelling or screaming. And then it just gets worse. So, like, it, there's, you know, it is what it is. But that's what I did. But that always made it worse. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, okay. Let's, let's talk about now. I really want to read your book and I, I hope that all of our listeners go grab it too. Um, it sounds fascinating. Tell us a little bit about, um, how you like came. So you said you were journaling with your first partner mm -hmm. and then, um, you, you know, you were looking for, and I had that same related experience. Mine was a long time ago at Barnes and Noble sitting on the floor being like, there's not one fucking book about being yeah. married to someone with bipolar that isn't depressing as fuck. Mm -hmm. So I felt hopeless. And so probably you were feeling hopeless. And is that like when you were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it better or differently? Yes, absolutely. And that was, um, that's one of the things that I love about my book is that I didn't write it like 10 years after my whole healing journey. I wasn't like, okay, let's, I'm going to, let's sit down and try to remember what happened during that time and mm -hmm. write about it. Everything, all of the tools that, and the tips that I give in my book were actual things that I developed like in real time while I was yeah. in the thick of it. And I would be like, okay, I'm freaking out about this today. I tried this. That didn't work. I tried this. Oh my God. Oh, yes. Awesome. This worked. Let's start practicing it more. Um, and so that's one of the things I think makes it really unique. Um, and yeah, at that same time, I was like, but again, it needs to be conversational and approachable and lighthearted mm -hmm. so that and and one of the things that I do want to clarify is that I talk about um like the things that we've talked about during this some of the heavier like the more difficult parts of the actual mm -hmm. trauma I do talk about but I really don't include I mean I would say that's probably like 20% max of the book is the yeah, actual yeah. details of the abuse everything else is right. about moving forward because that was really important mm -hmm. as well Right. That's well, and I'm sure that people who are reading your book, you don't need to tell them that they lived it. So now they want to know, like, what am I going to do now? How the freak do I get on with this? And how do I, will I ever enjoy being touched ever? Yes. Um, so was there more that you wanted to add to the self-pleasure masturbation chapter? Mm. <laughs> you were talking about the healing, which I thought was really interesting that I had never heard of before. And mm -hmm. I love that. And then you were also talking about how I, I find this fascinating because no one talks about this hmm. where to have an orgasm, you have to think of something that's not, that's, that's fucked, like up. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, mm -hmm. my next, Katie step. said it first <laughs> props to you, girlfriend. Props to you, yes. I am seriously like, you're seriously, like, I'm just like, I just totally love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel wonderful. Thank you. 
<laughs> um, we're obsessed we're, now. we're obsessed with this throat chakra you yes just fucking busted it yes, out we're like bust. you go girl <laughs> thank you um and you know what funny thing about that i used to get strep throat even as an adult like multiple times a year wow yeah mm-hmm. yep jeez that's so. so i get goosebumps every time like yep. i hear something like that where it's so connected your body and mind are so connected oh true was there anything else that, that just before cause we talk about masturbation, because I definitely want to go there. Um, but <laughs> Sarah and I are all over, <laughs> we're all over the, yes. Um, is there, oh shit. Now I forget what I was going to say. Is there say. anything else that happened with your body? Oh yeah. 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 That, yes. Yeah. That yeah. you now looking back, you're like, oh yeah, that was totally connected to my trauma. Well, I know that I was in fight or flight mode for 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Right. As we both know, like when that happened, all everything like your digestive system is kind of yep. put on hold. And so I was, I remember getting to college and being like, and meeting and living with other people and being like, wait, it's not normal that I'm physically in pain and ill every time I eat. That's so weird. Because oh, um, wow. I had like my basically my digestive system never properly developed because it just right. Yeah. Um. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I just, I would love to talk about dissociation a little bit for a second. I worked as a personal trainer for a few years, like after college. And I remember one of the things that I noticed were so many women would get very emotional with, because we did um, like Olympic weightlifting and they would, and, and myself included. I would, when I did squats, there were times where I would just start crying while doing Mm -hmm, like heavy mm -hmm. squats. And there were multiple women and that I would train that would get emotional during these specific movements. And one day I was trying to work out and I kept trying different movements, but I I just felt so weak and I could not even move my body through them. And Mm -hmm. I was like, finally, I just heard myself like lay down and meditate about this because we got something to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> I laid down and I just like thought to myself and all of a sudden I had this image of me working out, but like my me floating above my body. And yeah. I realized that I dissociated my entire life. I had no idea that that's what I was doing. And so wow. for a really long time, I was really dedicated to working specifically with trauma survivors and teaching us all how to like move our bodies in a way that we remain connected to them and Mm -hmm. and I think that's such an important part to experiencing pleasure too and physical intimacy Mm -hmm. is just being able to stay in your body when you're participating in it right I'm actually going through it's gonna take me like two years total (laughs) to, to become a yoga therapist so insane kind of thing, not um, physical therapy, but more of like trauma survivors and addiction, you know, for addiction and things like that. So I totally get that whole like moving your body. And, and yo- Amy and I both teach booty yoga, which is all about like moving that energy through your body yep. and getting all the shit out and like shaking it off. And I try to explain, like I just recorded one today that the reason you tear up if the reason you mm-hmm. laugh the reason you cry the reason you're pissed is because you're moving it yep. like the trauma mm-hmm. stores itself in your body and that's where some of that pain comes from and when you move it out it hurts but yeah. at the end you feel like you're like flying yeah yeah and one of the things that i think is so i think it's all women should participate in it because whether you've experienced trauma or not we all went through some version of puberty and yeah and I remember 
like developing very early and I'm a kid, I'm like 11 or 12 and all of a sudden adult men are like looking at me in ways that make me uncomfortable as well as the boys in my class, which I know almost all women have experienced. And so, and on top of that, I was also experiencing abuse at home. And so my body just became this place where I was like, get out, get out. And I think whether or not you've experienced abuse, I think so many women have that experience at puberty and they leave their bodies without even realizing it and then like never learn how to come back. So I think that learning how to do these movements is very Yeah, for sure. My daughter said something really, really interesting yesterday. When doesn't she? I know. She's amazing. She's 11 and and she's developed. And she was telling um, my boyfriend and I about a boy that she liked and it was a different boy from the boy two weeks ago and whatever. And she was like, listen, I was like, Lily, I was like, where is this coming from? But she goes, listen, I've got to get all this in before middle school and they start sexualizing me. So at this point, at least now I know they like me for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, she's fucking 11. I was like, okay, girl. Okay. Okay." Cause she's like, (laughs) she's like, this is my last chance. Oh my gosh. So, you know, there, there's something to be said about, um, the openness of, uh, I, I'm both Sarah and I are working in our homes about being very open about mm-hmm. these things. And it, at times it makes them uncomfortable. And at times they can say things like they, like my daughter just did. And I think it's so important because I never want her to feel ashamed of the fact that, yeah, she has a big chest and a booty. Like, right. Um, it, it just, that's just the way it is. And no, they should not look at her like that, right. you know, and, and that's okay to, you know, be, feel that way, to feel protective, but also at the same time, find that balance of like, you know, enjoying your body too and not feeling shame. Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. The road I've got ahead. Yeah. (laughs) I know because when you think about the road behind us and how hard it was, you know, for all of every girl, Growing yes. up, like you yes. said, experiences some sort, some sort of, of some kind of body associated trauma. Mm-hmm. And it could be something just as like somebody sexualizing them that's or older. Sometimes or sometimes it's like, you know, we, we can take it away from heavy trauma. It could just be like someone makes a comment one yeah. time, mm-hmm. some old man or whatever, or some guy walking down the street says something to you one time. That shit can stick in your head. Yep. Then when you're being intimate with someone, that's what comes in your head. Mm-hmm. And your partner's like, what? That was like 15 years ago. What is wrong with you? But I don't know how to explain it. It's hard to mm-hmm. get rid of that once somebody puts it out there. Yeah. So, t- okay. Talk to us about your healing process. Like, we know you started and you were journaling and kind of working through it. And then, like, what steps? Like, how did you get to a point where, I mean, I'm sure you're still, like you said, you're not all the way there. I don't think anybody can ever get right. completely to a point where they're like, I'm over it. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> but like, how did you even get to a point where you, you're like, okay, it's okay for me to experience pleasure. Mm. Wow. So I feel like we keep putting the, the self-pleasure topic off. I do want to say oh, one shit. thing about it, but I'm getting yeah. back to it. It's a segue. <laughs> it's a segue. I promise. Um, okay. But the one thing as far as like the steps to healing was one of the very first thing that I did when I was working through my trauma was identifying 
all the voids that I had because of the trauma, um, such as like, I call it parent void or the safety void. And it's these Mm -hmm. like holes that feels like a hole in me that was a result of not receiving something that I needed in that moment. Um, And then identifying the ways that I had been trying to fill those voids with like other people or things or a bowl of ice cream and being like, no, let's, and I, I talk about it in my book. I say like, um, make your voids your best friend or cozy up to your voids. And like literally after you've identified them, do not be afraid of them because it is scary to be like, Oh, I am, I have this deep gaping wound where I wish that I had parents. Um, and that's hard to look at and it's hard to think about, Mm -hmm. but like be like, Hey, this void's my best friend. Let's talk to it. What do you need? What do you need to feel good and heal? Um, and then start doing those things for yourself. So that was vital in my healing journey. Um, but back to self-pleasure. Mm. <laughs> um, the... Yes, yes, get it, girl. <laughs> Let's do this. So we talked about <laughs> pelvic bowl healing meditations. We talked about yes, yes. your yoni guardian. And then um, and then I talk about... And the other meditation that, that I include in the book is connecting to Mother Nature, connecting to the earth, grounding yourself, and allowing mm-hmm. like the nutrients, just imagining the nutrients to come up in like this beautiful stream of light through your yoni into your pelvic bowl which is Mm. so difficult to actually imagine as a trauma survivor because you're like allowing something to come for you um but Mm -hmm. it's all in your control you're imagining it it can be and feel like whatever you want to imagine it it is um but it's so powerful in reframing receiving and allowing yourself to actually receive so that was a huge meditation um, wow, yeah. And then after that was the actual practice of <laughs> masturbating. And what I really, I, and I talk extensively about it, um, but one of the things that I had to do was I couldn't just um, dive into imagining being with a person. It was like, that's yeah. not good for me. So I right. literally started by touching myself in ways I felt good. And then imagining like, ooh, that's my favorite outfit. Like imagining myself in my favorite yeah. outfit, like me feeling good. Imagining yeah. like a seascape or whatever mm-hmm. I, I felt was beautiful. Um, and then it, I built up to imagining things that I would love to try, like someone like kissing my nipples or like and rubbing mm-hmm. my clitter, like whatever it was that felt good to me, kissing my neck, like just imagining that. But it wasn't a person. It could just be like lips or whatever yeah, I want yeah. or like sensations. Yeah. Um, and then gradually build up from there to the point. And I mean, this took months. It took, it can take however long it takes for someone. Um, and then eventually I was able to imagine a person. Um, but it, that took work. It took work for me and it to be able to imagine having like to actually be turned on by Mm -hmm. the image of like just a consensual sexual encounter with a guy I was just like I'm so bored right now I can I'm never gonna (laughs) orgasm like I would think that but it took practice because I was literally rewiring my brain and I am happy to say that I genuinely and I am not lying when I say this I can masturbate and think about a wonderful consensual experience with a guy now anytime I want and I love it so great such an amazing feeling to, to have gotten here 
How powerful that you rewired your brain. Think we, about oh, that. That's freaking it's so possible. powerful. It's so possible, it's but it's so hard. It's so hard. And it that's what people so don't want to do. Like, they don't, they don't do the want hard to work. do it. I'm not saying they don't want to do it. I shouldn't have said that. They, it's too it, hard it's to do the hard work. It's scary to yeah. do the hard work. Oh, and yeah. it takes time. Just like being in a relationship. It's all hard work. It doesn't, none of this comes easy. And the fact you rewired your entire 18 years of your brain and those formidable years is just fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, Incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to say when you said like, you, I'm bored, I, you know, what, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Like I, we talked about that oh last my week. Gosh. Actually. That's like half of like, it, it, <laughs> b- before we started talking about sex and talking about what we enjoyed and talking about self-pleasure and being verbal about it which has only been in the past couple of weeks katie like we are so brand new we're very new on this journey (laughs) very very new i know so we're we're like super excited about it Um, we're like three weeks in yes just a couple weeks um but we talked to lauren joyce which i don't know if you're familiar with her but she is a sex and relationship expert and she kind of she says the same thing like that you're saying too like you when i when you were talking about self-pleasuring and imagining things that were pleasurable, but not sexual, sexual, Mm -hmm. like that's, she talks about that too. Like being in pleasurable moments all day allows you to be in your body to feel that pleasure sexually. Mm -hmm. And so you can't be fully empowered until you're sexually empowered too. So this, like this whole full circle, like you saying that too, it's like, okay, like, this is a real thing. Like, yeah, (laughs) like, yeah, it's so incredible. Because on top of other trauma that we have all gone through, we also have the trauma as women of work harder, do more, don't sleep. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how are you going to ever get to the fucking top if you take a break? Right. That sort of thing. And And put others in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you're doing that, how do you find pleasure in anything? Because you're just like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you're not, yeah, you're not there, which is why when I used to have sex, it was like, good God, can we get this over with? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I can move on to the next thing on the list Mm -hmm. just because that's really how we are wired. Right. Just from just from cu- culture and so like just social things that we go around. So, so then okay, we've been asking everybody this question, all women, this question that we've been talking to to try to get like a gauge on how many women are actually experiencing or have experienced this. Have you had a consensual sexual experience, but you didn't really like you consented, but you like totally were not into it and like really didn't even want to do it. I mean, besides your abuse, because... Yeah, so, like, later on with a consensual adult, were you like, oh, I got too far, I have to just finish this situation? Mm. I would say I I have never done quite that, because I... Um... Because, well, I've always tried really hard to avoid that, because I... Would, will start crying if I feel sure. like I'm like being forced to do it. Yeah. Even if I'm not, I will like start bawling. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, so I, I all have always, um, I won't say always, but I have for the most part just been like, oh, I, I need to stop. Let's stop. Um, however, I 100% know that I have been like, I'm not really into it, but like we haven't had sex in like 
three weeks. So right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. Let's do it. Let's just because we're in a relationship. Like we have to have sex, right? We right. have to. So right. like, let's do it. Uh, yes. 100%. I have done that. Yes. And that is the one thing that women are saying to us over and over is nobody's ever said that to me. Like I thought I was the only one. Right. Mm. So that's why we're asking everybody because we're like, it's not just us. Like it's not just yeah. you. It's there's, I think this is pretty common. Yeah. And I, and I think something you said early in the um, interview or podcast, whatever we're doing here, <laughs> you have our discussion over cake pops and coffee. I mean, listen, Katie, you have me like, so my mind is so blown. I'm trying to keep yeah. bringing myself back down so that I can uh, properly have this conduct this podcast. But, um, <laughs> You said something that just kind of resonated with me that is so important. And it's like, you've done this work and you're at this spot, but it's not every time. Like you still have those. Like, and that's what I think is difficult for men to understand is that, yes, we've, we've gotten over this hurdle, but like A, B and C could have happened today with me and triggered all of these other things that maybe I haven't worked on as much or just yeah. whatever it is. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're fit. I don't want to say fixed, but it just means that you're having different experiences. Right. And, and, and like, it's everywhere now. Like everybody's posting all over social media, like healing is not linear. And, yeah. and, and it's a hundred percent true. That is a complete truth, but I don't think people completely understand that, Sexual. that aren't going through yeah. some sort of healing journey. Right. So yeah. Talk to us about that a little bit. Oh, great. Um, so a couple things. I think as far as the people who are on their own healing journeys, I think we even struggle to believe that because that's just becoming a thing now is like healing isn't linear and all of the emotions are okay. And you're not mm -hmm. like, it's going to be hard. Sharing your story is going to be empowering, but also horrible sometimes, yeah. you know, like we're finally starting to have those conversations, which is awesome. But we didn't for a long time. So we still have it in our head that there's like a certain way to heal. Um, yeah. As far as people who aren't on that journey, I have found it to be actually for my, in my experience, it has been more difficult to be with like my, I've found my partners to extra cautious. Um, oh, and that has yeah. been annoying to be honest. Yeah. Cause I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you that I want to like, make out against this wall and I want to yeah. like fuck right now. Like I'm telling you, please. Yeah. But like, they're like, but there's a part of them that's like, I really want to make sure that you're okay. And I'm like, I'm not mm -hmm. a child. I'm an adult woman telling you yeah. to have sex with me right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, but, if you're into that or whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I'm down with being kinky right now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, so that's been something that I've struggled with sometimes in the past has been overly cautious. Um, and I think it has been difficult to be, you know, I mean, this is a, can be a whole other conversation, but mm -hmm. dating people who have experienced something, who, who have also experienced trauma can ah. be really amazing, but also I think sometimes it can be a lot and mm -hmm. both people really need to be in a, in a space where they are committed to healing and working through their stuff um, mm -hmm. and allowing another person in while they do that. Um, but it can be difficult to date someone who hasn't had any of those experiences either. Um, because so, to be honest with you, there's sometimes where 
I've dated someone and they're complaining about their their dad because they want to hang out mm, with them too much. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I can't, right. I'm sorry, but I cannot listen to you talk about yeah. this. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any worries isn't the right word, any um, apprehension around having a family of your own someday? Oh, yes. Wonderful question. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. such a, I believe the universe presents you with things um, at the exact right time. And this is actually, I just turned 30. Um, so now I am thinking about that more than mm-hmm. I ever really have ever right. before. And um, one of the biggest fears I have so much love, so much love to give. Um, mm-hmm. But the funny thing is when I think about having kids, the first thought that comes up is like, oh, I'm going to resent them. I'm going to have them and I'm going to think I want them and then I'm going to hate them and I'm going to resent them. And I know that part of that, a big part of that comes from my own mother, like Lisa, because she told us like, oh, kids ruin my life. They will ruin your life. Oh. You're like everything. Yeah. Um, or they'll t- Or your husband will like she really did kind of play into a victim role Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. she wasn't but like I was convinced that your husband will abuse you you'll be a victim you'll give up your job you'll have these kids you'll be stuck raising these kids by yourself even if you're married so I just I have I have a lot of those um stories that are not true but right in my mind so yes that's a whole nother yeah that's a whole nother (laughs) level of stories to unpack I mean yeah yeah, we do have those from what have been told to us. And I'm just realizing that now, like some of those things, that mm-hmm. that's why I believe what I believe mm-hmm. or feel the way I feel about certain things. Um, and Sarah and I were talking about recently, like changing the narrative, because really what it is is people love to complain about their partners. Yeah. And that's how women bond. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how, you know, we're like workaholics and... You know, we don't sleep and we complain about our partners. Like, none of that's pleasurable. No, it's, it all sucks. <laughs> that's all yeah. shit. <laughs> like, and that's how we become friends. Yeah. And just Not us specifically, but, like, how women I, I in general. Collectively, yeah. we. Yeah. And just saying, like, I want to change that story because I don't want to live like that. Mm-mm. Not that you can't complain when it's time to complain. It's just like, you know what I mean? Right. But that can't be your only, like I've had friends where like, that's literally the only conversation that you have between each other is like to bitch about something that's, um, relatable to both of you, you know? So that's why like when people work together, they talk a lot about bitching about work and when, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So yes, you're, you're bringing up some amazing thoughts like to changing the narrative and yeah, and the stories that you've Jeez. been told. Yeah. So uh, back to, I know we're going backwards, but question I have for you with the dissociation and then just like trauma. Do you ever find yourself, and I'm only saying this because I have recently realized I'm doing this, where you like something triggers you and you like, like almost like it's like you have this panic and you're like, oh, fuck. And you like forget that you're not there. And you think that this situation is going to be the same? Like a PTSD response? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, There's there's a couple, like, even when I hear um, there'll be kids playing outside and one will start screaming and I cannot, like, immediately. And I know that it is fine, but I find myself, like, 
I get angry, like I have this like angry response and I have to like calm myself down and be like, Hey, it's okay. Yeah. That's fine. They're just yeah. fine. Um, that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so think, it's like, do you, have you found methods? And I mean, I don't want you to give away your whole book, obviously, no, no, no. <laughs> but have you found methods that, because getting out of a PTSD response oh. takes it like from actually reliving the experience to a place of, you can remember it, but you're not going to relive it every time something happens to trigger. Yes. Do you yes. have, what have you done to, to try to get yourself to some, some semblance of that? So in my book, I talk about two types of triggers. The one is like, I'm triggered right now and I mm -hmm. can feel myself totally leaving the body and about to like freak out and like how to kind of work myself back to myself in those, in that exact moment. Um, and, and then the second one that I talk about is I've been triggered and I left like I didn't I, maybe I wasn't able to catch myself but I'm gone and now it's been like three days and I can still feel that I'm not completely connected to myself yeah, and yeah. how to get back and the main thing that I talk about because I've no, those are honestly scarier for me because sometimes it feels like I've left myself and I don't know when or if I'm coming back and that can right, be scary right. and so yeah. What I talk about in that moment is, um, I call it choose a meeting spot and you can visualize yourself. And for me, it's a pier on a little lake and mm. I just go and I sit there and I talk to myself. I'm like, Hey, I tell me what scared you. And like, I won't be there, but I'll, I can hear it. It'll be like, Hey, this happened. And like you walked into this situation and then people were mean and you didn't like, you let that happen. Now I don't want to be here or whatever. And I will be like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll talk myself through it. And I'll be like, I'm going to be at this pier every day for the next five days or for however long it takes. And whenever you're ready, come back to me. And like, mm -hmm. and you will, and I will do that for however many days it takes. And it usually only takes about three, but that choosing a meeting spot and just letting myself know, like, I'm here whenever you're ready. I'm not forcing you to come back, but it's safe whenever you're ready is been really monumental for that. Uh, you are a wealth of knowledge and Jeez. I, I, I don't say, I don't do this all the time, but I'm like legit buying your book yeah, and reading it. I, you're, you're just, yeah. I tried to get it on Kindle and I couldn't, I was like, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. like, I don't so want to wait for it. To come. <laughs> um, no, I am ordering it and I'm reading it and, um, I am just, you, you're fascinating and you're just like I said, a beautiful, beautiful soul. Like, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It is not, uh, well, nothing is easy, right? Nothing that like is good is easy for like when we want to tell our stories to help other people. And that's what you're doing. And I am sure there's, God, so many people out there who have found healing listening to you. And uh, I hope I was just having all these visions in my head, but hopefully we can um, work together again and do I something like I'm thinking I have ideas. I'll talk to you about them later, but um, all these ideas, you, yeah, I just, I'm like, I totally love you so much. Um, I'm just so appreciative of you coming on and sharing your story and um, just God that you were able to get to this point. Like I, I'm blown away. If you heard of the book, Man's Search for Meaning? No. It's written by a Holocaust survivor. It's an old book. It's from the 60s, but it's written by a Holocaust survivor. And he talks about how he was locked in this whenever they would like um, misbehave or get in trouble. They would lock them in these boxes where they couldn't sit up. They were they had to lay down. So they were locked in these boxes for 
days, weeks, whatever, sometimes, and then they'd be let out. And he, the way he survived it, because most people would, would die in those boxes because of the psychological trauma mm-hmm. that goes yeah. along with it too, mm-hmm. that he would imagine himself somewhere else. And he would imagine himself living these beautiful experiences yeah. and doing things with his family when he gets out of here yeah. or just like, do, he just um, like basically used his brain to take him somewhere else. And just yeah. like hearing you talk about this, it just further like solidifies the thought that we can do this. Like yes. we can fight through anything. Yeah. We can live through anything. And, and especially that part you talked about rewiring your brain, that's mm-hmm. just, that's such a powerful testament to the fact that you can move forward. We can, we can move forward. It's hard work, but you can do it. And I think so many times those coping mechanisms now are, get a bad rap and we're like, now you have to correct like dissociation, for example. Yeah, they're like, right. That's bad. Don't do that. But it was, it's actually the most incredible and powerful survival mm-hmm. tool one year experiences. I don't want people to totally bash that or, or yeah. beat themselves up for using those in the moment. No, no. Like, it's how you survive. That's it. That yeah. moment. Katie, do you have any other thoughts for us? Um, I, oh, the last thought I would love to say, and I just, that's, yeah. this is the main thing that I want everyone to get from my book is that, um, I am not offering any like crazy secrets or tools. The, I am just reminding everyone that they have all of the tools within themselves because we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everything that yes. I talk about in my book, I like somehow got from within myself and that everybody has the power to do that. So um, I hope Beautiful. that everyone knows that and believes it and can continue with their healing journey knowing that. You're incredible. Really incredible. Thank you so much for coming on here to talk to us. Thank you for and- having me. We know our audience is going to just... We're going to put a link up to both yes. your website and uh, Amazon for your book. Yes. Guys, go out and buy cake, pops, and coffee. And we need to make a cake, to pops, and coffee date soon. We do. Oh, love it. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing I'm seeing all sorts of oh. things, Sarah. We're going to do some stuff together, Katie. Yes. I can't wait. So she's just roping you in. She's just, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I got chills. <laughs> no, I, I've got all, I've got all the ideas. <laughs> when and I find someone that's like, awesome. like-minded and like so powerful, I'm like, I, I want to work with you. Yeah. Oh, me too. I, I, I am like, um, connect energetically connect with people so intensely that I have to like call myself down. Cause I'll be like, I'm so excited. And yeah. just, so, like, so at least it's mutual. This it's, is yes, good. This yes. is good. It's mutual. <laughs> okay, Cause I too. feel it too. I felt actually, okay, this is so bananas, but I felt that through our email communication. And I wasn't the one emailing, so I don't know. Like, I just felt like I was like this. I feel connected to this woman. Like, you're. As soon as her face popped up, I was like, Mm -hmm. what? Like, your energy is just so fucking awesome. Thank you. That feels awesome. Thank you. So thank you so much, Katie, for coming on. And um, we will definitely be in touch soon. Yes. Let's get together again. Let's do something else. This is just, we want to have you back on. Maybe we can have a whole episode about relationships and I don't know, all the other stuff. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. (laughs) So much healing to be done. So much healing. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Katie. Thank you so much.